Welcome to the Few Podcast. Never in the field of human contact was so much owed by so many to so few. So you want to become one of the few. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. I have a dream. Have a dream. Hear inspiring stories from the few and learn about what it takes to turn your dreams into a reality. It's a day for all Australians, isn't it? It's a day that brings us all together. Now with your hosts, Boo and Sean. G'day, Shawnee. How are you, mate? Another week, another episode of The Few during COVID chaos. How are you, mate? Fantastic, mate. Uh, stuck up here and or not being able to get back into Queensland if I leave. But other than that, it's all good. Well, you're not missing much down in uh, New South Wales, mate. It's been absolutely uh, freezing. And uh, look, I'll tell you what, today's guest is one that it almost brought me to tears. And I think there's probably no time in my life or generation where the story we're going to explore today uh, doesn't bring perspective where we are. Um, I think one of the challenges, uh, particularly in the first world issues that we deal with today and in in COVID, uh, people being inconvenienced by the lack of bog roll uh, in their house, I think that people really need to be able to to understand how life can be, what some of the challenges life can throw up and, and how lucky we are that the biggest problem we have is whether there's enough pasta or a toilet paper in the, the supermarket. Our guest today, my partner, who's a very sensitive person, vegan, loves humanity, is so excited by the fact that I get this opportunity to have this conversation uh, today. Uh, this, this person has, has motivated her through her life, has helped her um, connect with what the concept of beauty is as a woman. Uh, so many touch points. And as a, as a guy, there's probably areas of this I, I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, but I've been given some points and some tips to take this conversation. So with, with no uh, further ado, uh, I would love to introduce Dana Allen to today's uh, program. Dana, thank you so much for the opportunity Welcome. to... Uh, have a conversation with you today and welcome to the few hi thanks for having me but um i don't know who dana Vullen is i'm dana Vullen. Uh, yeah we literally had this conversation uh before we started the show uh, she sounds today. nice we though she sounds nice how to pronounce people's names uh with a name like bacusis <laughs> how often it gets murdered and even people i know it's Bacusis on a Monday, Bacacus on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, having lived in the UK, it's always a, a challenge. So I do apologise, Dan. I've got utmost empathy for having you. Oh, own, don't say any, so. That's fine. Any any part of a, of your name murdered and mangled. Um, so, Dana, tell us a little bit about uh, life for you. Tell us about how you feel today, and whether or not you're living what you believe is your purpose in life. Oh, how I feel today. Um, are we ta- uh, talking externally or internally? Both. Just okay. getting out of bed, feeling as though you're you're living a life that that maybe wasn't a life that was uh, planned or expected. But in terms of what we're given today, what tools we have to work with, the pros and cons that life gave us, do you feel like you're making the most of it and living the purpose that the universe ordained for you, even if it wasn't something that you're prepared for? Absolutely. Um, I feel like I'm a woman that I was always meant to be and then some. I sometimes wake up and I pinch myself that my life is the way it is now versus the nightmare I was living for so many years. I am just about finished my third degree at uni, my master's in science. I literally had my last class ever yesterday. 
Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank that's you. Awesome. Um, and that's because I would like to specialize in disfigurement and cosmetics so I can further help survivors such as myself. Um, and I am fit and I give back and I work hard for what you see on the outside, but I also work hard for what I have on the inside. I'm grateful for everything I have. I am a version of myself that I could never understand. Like I got like pretty much straight A's at school and I got like medallions of academic excellence. And at university in my first degree, I won like this international competition thing. And I was always told you're wasting your potential, wasting your potential. This is prior to my injury, of course, in 2012. And I never quite understood that until I became who I am now. Um, that's a great that's a great segue, Dana, because what I, I guess we all really want to uh, understand and develop an appreciation of is what what happened in your life and in your journey that changed everything. Okay, so I'm going to give you the very basic version, but I in 2012, February 16th, um, a woman and a male broke into my house, doused me in methylated spirits, and set me on fire. So that would be the beginning of literally living hell on earth. I remember, I don't know if you have it over, uh, over East, but we have constable care when you're young. They come to school and teach you first aid and mm-hmm. they teach you stop, drop and roll. And I remember immediately, as soon as I was on fire, emergency and like emergency brain kicked in and I stopped, dropped and rolled. And as I stopped, dropped and rolled, whilst I was rolling, I could hear them laughing at me and they fled through the back, leaving me to burn alive. And here I am thinking that I'm doing the right thing, but I get up from burning alive. And what Constable Care forgot to tell us was with a chemical burn, you don't stop, drop and roll, you go straight to water. And in fact, I actually got up and I spread the fire 10 times worse. I I literally looked like that guy from Fantastic Four. There was just flames everywhere, flames as far as you could see. And I remember um, screaming for help so loud. I used to live in a high rise building that then, the man in the whole high rise next door in another building heard me scream and came to my rescue essentially. And he said to me, sweetheart, Bogolar, my name's Dennis, let's get you in the shower. And I so ignorantly remember saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Like I heard if you go underwater, you scarlet. Little did I know, but he was so calm and sure and his eyes were even confident and reassuring. And so I went in the shower and I remember like, the water was on cool and it was dropping down on my hands and face and no high pressure, nothing, but every little drop felt like acid burning into me. And I was like, my hands, my hands, my face. And um, I've got to give props here because um, the ambulance and the fireys were called. The ambulance got to my house two minutes um, from that time of the call. And then four minutes after that, I was at the hospital. So six minutes from time of call, I still died on the second and third night. Um, It resulted in 64% full thickness burns from my waist up, circumferentially, face, everything. Um, I left me completely, completely disabled. I actually didn't even look like a human being. I basically was an in and out patient for four years and 10 months. I got cervical cancer at the same time. Then Australians were amazing. Um, They donated heaps of money to me. And then the charity owner stole all my money and used it then she went to jail and then i had a super fan stalk me for years who also faced the law um and that's the very 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 short of it it's been a wicked run that's a lot of uh bad shit happening in a 
small amount of life there. One of the things uh, I guess, uh, Dana, is in the few is we're probably trying to find some insights that aren't necessarily mainstream and, and appeal to a small, a smaller group of people that really want to try and deeply understand things. And how could you possibly explain to some someone what that experience was like? I mean, it is incomprehensible. Terrific. The, yeah. the pain and the confusion and... You know, often I'm asked like, oh my God, do you remember burning alive? It must have hurt so bad. And I'm like, genuinely, it was a tickle in comparison to the aftermath. And I remember mm-hmm. I was conscious burning alive. That was the least pain I would feel for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. You know, when you ask somebody, like everyone's had this conversation, mm-hmm. what's your biggest fear of how, like the worst way you want to die? And everyone says, burning alive for sure. I've lived that fear. And methylated spirits burns 10 times quicker than petrol. So just absolutely annihilated me. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen my befores or afters, but the thing with my burn was in the beginning, I my sister and I, we researched so hard to find any befores and afters. And actually what we had discovered was I pretty much had the worst burns and scarring I'd ever even seen ever. Oh, it's, um, I, I cannot, cannot believe it. Un- unbelievable. And, and the, the imagery is very confronting uh, on your website. And Oh, and that's the choir girl photos. I ex-military for 11 years and part of uh, being in the military and going into combat environments is they show you lots of photos of bad, bad things. To, to, so you're aware of it. So if you see it in real life, it's not quite as, yeah. as shocking. Um, and to be honest, a lot of that uh, imagery is of people that didn't survive. And immediately I was, and that's, as you said, the choir girl ones, I'm looking at these photos and thinking that is worse than what I saw when I was being conditioned to go, into combat it's literally uh, my surgeons are like that's the worst scarring like we've ever seen and i've got some of the world's best surgeons i didn't look like a human and the thing is i didn't survive i died the second night i died the third night and i died nine months later but uh my spirit didn't die i was gonna actually ask that question Donna, that clearly you needed to still be here for some reason there was still something else that you needed to do but what do you feel going through as you said the first part wasn't the bad bit it was the aftermath that years of, of pain and agony that I can't even start to possibly imagine of chronic you know pain and mental and emotional anguish from you know how you actually look and feel and all of that stuff I cannot possibly fathom so I don't even try I can't even try to but what was that internal drive? What was that internal motivator that actually got you to keep going and get up the next day and do it again, get up the next day and push through and push through? That takes some intense amount of deep strength that's come from somewhere. Well, it was a few things. So it sounds so basic, but ever since year five, I've always kept my promises. Okay. Like it's, it's something so stupid, but my family, friends, well, everyone. That's a rarity these days, yeah. Pardon? That's a rarity in these, no, in this day and age. Like I am... That's how I am. And it's so weird, but okay. I get my promises. Um, and in the beginning, um, after I had a realization of how bad this was, like I'd hear it all over the media. What's she going to be now? She's got no face. She's in a pretty, like she's got nothing else going for her. That really pissed me off. Cause like I'd done two degrees before that. I worked hard to look the way I did then, which A means I was going to have to work harder, but way more importantly, when I got burnt, so did my entire family. Okay. I was so disabled for years that I, could not do anything like my arms froze up like this. My chest froze to like fused to my, my chin fused to my chest. I was stuck like this. I couldn't eat myself. My mouth burnt into like a tiny little bum hole. I couldn't feed myself, go to the toilet, shower myself, nothing. And 
my sister, I promised, Diana, you promised you'll never kill yourself. I couldn't anyway, I was so disabled, but I was like, I promise. How dare I not fight for somebody who was fighting so hard for me? Like when I got burnt, my family got burnt. I mean, their lives completely stopped. They sacrificed so much for me. So on those days when it was hard, I fought for them. I learned many, many years ago not to hate. Um, I've never harbored hate. I feel like hate is really powerful and toxic and all-consuming. Um, so I'm really glad I learned that lesson when I was a kid because somebody I didn't know and I did nothing to burnt me alive and left me to die and it changed my entire life and it changed my family's life. And yes, that angers me. But um, instead of using that all-encompassing energy to hate someone, I used it to heal. I promised my family I wasn't going to kill myself. So here's, here's the reality. We are all alive, but most of us aren't alive and living. I said I was not going to die. So why... Why would I wake up every day? Because I'm going to, because I promise I won't kill myself and be like a negative Nancy and have a crappy life versus trying and having a good life. Like mm. these were my options. I was going to live because I kept that promise. So I may as well fight. I don't have a hate, but the only revenge I ever wanted was success. And I was like doing that in a big way. I think that was a big F you to the person mm. that did that to me, if I'm completely brutally honest. Um, but then it's like after the media and stuff, I was like getting annihilated in the media for years and I didn't talk to them and I literally hid from the media because um, everyone was so thirsty to get a photo of me with my mask or my disfigured face, which called the media police all camped outside my mum's house, my dad's house, my sister's house over here for years to just get a glimpse of how mutated I was. Um, but I also didn't talk to the tr uh, media because... Um, How did that make you feel, Diana? How did that make you feel when that was happening? Disgusted. So I'm already going through the worst thing someone can go through. Then I get cancer and they're all just like vultures. But it's like I feel I'm, I'm underestimated and that was their biggest, they underestimated me. Um, I, so I, I managed to hide from them till the trial. And I also did want to make the trial as appeal proof and as like, unbiased and all that as possible because it's a really hard process. We don't want to go through it again. But then after that, it was still happening. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to grab these bull by the horns and I'm going to ride it. Um, so I really took control of my own life and I took control of the media and used them instead of having them exploit me. But inevitably what happened was I decided to take my mask off. I, I've got to tell my story, but I took my mask off after wearing that mask for two years and 10 months for the first time, genuinely on the Sunday night program. And, um, and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to own my, rock my scars and make this burn my bitch. I'm going to own it. And then from that point, I just had thousands of burns, people from around the world, survivors or people who've had scars from domestic violence or cancer, sending me selfies of themselves, like their dresses, like, I'm just going to make burns my bitch owner. And just like the amount of empowerment I gave other survivors. And because even at that stage, I remember watching back the show. I was like, whoa, I've made such a transformation. And then I watched it when it come out. I was like, oh, yuck, I'm still a minger. Like, I've never had, like, I don't have fake hair. I'm not wearing fake lashes. Everything's, I've never had, like, plastic surgery to look like everyone else. That's a huge misconception. I actually have only had grafts to look like Dana again. And that's all I ever wanted. And I think we have that God-given birthright to look like our family. We deserve it. But, I mean, it took so much i wore a garment for three years a mask for two years and 10 months i slept sitting up on a crucifix for three years with arm splints wrist splints elbow splints palm splints neck brace mouth splint 
I've had my right leg grafted completely five full times, my left leg grafted completely six full times, and that's my body. My groin have taken for my neck, and my hips are my armpits and some of my actual arms. They shaved my entire skull to graft my entire face. Had plastery, so many neck releases, five sets of braces, two jaw expanders, and like I'm literally I have a vacuum on my back right now. It's eight and a half years down the track, and I'm still having surgeries and. I do a lot of firsts because I guinea pig myself for heaps of shit, but it was after that segment that it really got me the ball rolling because like I was saying, I was looking for befores and afters and I realized I had, there were none. I had some of the worst going I'd seen. I got to be that before and after. I am what I desperately needed. And there's no other word for it than desperate guys. I was desperate mm. and I hate to be a thirsty mole, but I was desperate and now I get to be that beacon of hope for survivors who are burned. Look, it's possible. How do you do it? How, how can you help everyone in terms of having to deal with something every single day that revisits you every single day, going into surgery? I mean, I have a, without making a comparison, because I, I can connect with you in, in a certain way. I have a genetic disorder that is a arthritic condition. So I'm always getting needles and poke and it never goes away and it's never going to go away. And, you know, I look for sources of inspiration, which is like, why aren't you hitting? This is absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing. But sometimes I can't help myself and feel a bit sorry for myself. And because, that's natural. You know, I would imagine there are times when that feeling is powerful for you as well. How, how do you just keep going and, and overcoming those days where it feels really bad? First of all, I think it's important to feel your feelings. So like when I get upset, I recluse and I'll have a, like a couple of days for myself and then I'm like, I'm over it now, sick feeling sorry for myself. I'll get back up. I think you need to feel your feelings. It's okay to feel upset. On the other hand, I, you know, I smile, I'm happy because I'm so grateful we're living in a first world country. I'm grateful that the ambulance got there. I'm grateful for the help, all the surgeries, like, I feel a, like a sense of responsibility on my shoulders at this stage because of the recovery I made. And like, if you look on my social media and stuff, I'm not on there being like, Hey, I'm sexy. Like, uh, it's like, Hey, here's a truth bomb. This is what I look like before. This is what I look like now. This is what works. This is what doesn't. I feel like, like almost a sense of responsibility to help people who are going to get injured or have been injured. Um, other times I just like, I've got one life. So why wouldn't I want to be the best version of myself in this lifetime? And in terms of pain, like going through the pain all the time, like when I decided, yeah, I'm going to live and blah, 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 just to go through a burn on its own, which is the grass is like I said, I could, there's no words. I can't explain it guys. It's evil. It's, it'd have been way more humane, way more kind, way more easy for me to have died. Way, way, way. It, it was disgustingly cruel on your mind, your body, your soul, your family. I kind of accepted that it was going to be painful, but I then made a decision that I wanted to make a recovery like no one else. They told me never expect to look like Donna again. I'd never hold a pen again, but I knew to do anything or to get anywhere I would have to do, go through more pain. So it's something that I accepted to get to a level where I wanted to go. You know, it's all about sacrifice, working hard, making the plan and following through with it, like choices. I made a choice and I stuck to it and I knew the, like what it was going to cost. And, and that cost, the reward based on that cost, now that you're, now that you have got to a large part of the other side, obviously, as you said, there's still stuff that you'll need to be doing ongoing. But as you said, to, to, you had this goal of, I want to get to here. Now that you're there or pretty close to that, how does that feel knowing that you actually put in the hard yards, you did the work 
and you're now there. Like, I mean, a lot of people think that whole overnight success thing that people just suddenly become a success or they achieve this, that, and the other. There's also the statement, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. How does that relate to, to your journey and, and where you are now versus where you were aspiring to be? So, I mean, I guess in the beginning, I still had big ambitions, um, but I never thought that I would essentially win like gold in the Olympics for the biggest burns recovery in the world. Like, I mean, I never thought that I would look like Dana again. It's not normally in the average careers day at school, is it? Oh, yeah, no, no. But uh, no, it's not. I I hoped I would look like Dana. I hoped that I would have functionality, but I didn't give up. That's an important lesson we need to teach people. Like, because I I got to a certain place and I was like, well, I was really happy with this. But then you reassess, you look like, I never thought that I would look like this again. I never thought I'd become an international author and a speaker. And I never thought I'd be just finishing my third degree in science, my master's in science. Who am I? You're a legend. That's who you are. Like a, it's because it, it there's a million excuses. There's a million reasons to not oh, be that person. You've got. And I'd be forgiven for being planet. bitter. And every like I forget. Like I'd be forgiven for being bitter. I'd be forgiven for giving up hope. I guess if you're a listener now, listen to this, and you haven't actually seen my befores and afters, and you're seeing me now, it's really hard for you to comprehend how disfigured I was, um, or that that's even a human being. So I feel really proud. I feel really privileged for the support network I have. This is not a solo thing. This was my doctors, neurosurgeons, nurses, physios, family, friends. This was a huge team effort. And it was like, guys, think about when you were 25 to 30, okay? Every time you smiled, every time you went to the toilet on your own, you went to a restaurant, saw a movie, had a girlfriend, kissed somebody, got to put your clothes on by yourself, left the house. I lived at the hospital. I physically couldn't smile. I physically couldn't even wipe my own ass. Like I sacrificed so much. I mean, I worked on recovering whilst I was sleeping and whilst I was awake. And I think that this is what people don't understand. Like I sacrificed and I worked more than I can ever express in words, in actions. I gave up a lot to get my life back. And I think that that's what people don't understand. It's not just my life back to, to be an author, to go to uni. Like you do have to sacrifice something that's going to give. And now like, people are like, oh, your life's so good. You got this, you got that. But I, I missed out on prime years oh. of my life. Absolutely. And, and, your, and, your, and your book title is, you know, I think it says it all, it's worth fighting for. And that's the theme that I'm hearing in this conversation, this discussion, is that you found something that was worth fighting for. And, you know, it was to regain by, by what I'm hearing too, is, is your identity back, like a new version of that identity because of the challenges you went through. You had no choice but to get stronger emotionally, mentally, you know, recuperate yourself physically on all areas rebuild yourself into you know this now present amazing energetically you know physically everything how you show up now versus as you said what happened you know eight years ago was was just it's just there's no comparison and i have seen you know, again you said that the the lesser um photos, so those, but, photos. but yeah that's that, that and and so even that in itself is like holy crap it's just it's just something you can't wish wish on your worst enemy like it's I had, I had wounds that didn't close for four years. I don't think people truly comprehend the fight. I think you can do your best, but you never, ever will. Uh, Donna, one of the things that comes across very strong in this conversation is you were not a passive participant in your journey here. You did not hand over to doctors. You've clearly, you do your own homework. You do your 100%. research. You, you are owning your, your recovery. Is that, 
Is that true? It feels that way. Is that, is that yeah. how? Oh, is my you? surgeon says to me, I can tell you the difference between you and any other patient. You are one track mind. There's nothing that can stop you. Sometimes I feel like my sister and I, we researched her eyes were going to bleed. Okay. And I'd go to my surgeons with the most ridiculous things. And I'd be like, why don't we try this? Because, you know, the science behind blah, 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 blah. So essentially this would make sense. And I was so mangled that I really had nothing else to lose. I tried ooga booga crap. I tried like stuff, uh, proper science, anything like hokey pokey, like anything. I did it. I tried it. But I tell you what, something didn't work. Something's made me worse. But at the end of the day, right, there's so something to be said about like a peace and a confidence you have in yourself. I cannot look back and go, I wish I tried this. I wish I tried that. Or what if I left? There was no stone unturned. And in fact, I found new stones and rocks and boulders. And I, I tried those as well. Um, it was, you have to be your biggest advocate. Um, and also I had nothing to lose. I was so deformed. I could physically not get any more deformed. I was just a mutant. Um, and so, yeah, there was, there was that. I was a big, my own advocate. You've got to make noise. Um, you've got to push, you've got to learn. Uh, you are in control of your own destiny to an extent. But, um, and again, acceptance. Like I, I know that, you know, I'll always have scarring, but to what extent is up to me. And I was always like wild and a bit like before my burn. So I feel like now I'm just as unique on the outside as I am on the inside. Like they match up good. Um, <laughs> but, a, beautiful, a beautiful way uh, to look at it. And no, it well, you have to. We, we have these conversations with many people about their life experience and how resilient they are. And they almost feel all glib because no one applies those tools like resilience and self-assurance and self-advocacy in a way that is so personal and so obvious. It, it, it's literally, you're the person that had their life on the line, literally on the line, has died for the lessons that you have learned that people can apply in any aspect of their life. If there ever was a person whose advice you would listen to right now and forever, it would be you, Donna. Thank I have, you. And I have, I've applied it to my uni life, my business life, my speaking life. You've got to work hard. You've got to make choices and stick to them. But and also you've got to look for the positives. Like, yes, guys, I get it. What happened was horrible. But also I don't look backwards because if you look backwards, you get a sore neck and you only go backwards. The only time I look backwards is to reassess and see how far it comes. Because sometimes you need to keep yourself in check that, hey, man, I've done really well because everyone has a down day. But also looking at the positives, like, I will never age. So as my scars progress, like the tightening, I just get tighter and tighter. I'll never have jowls. I'll never get fat wings. I'll never wrinkle. Oh, I'll look like this. So you have to look at the pros. You know, I'll be tight forever. I'm like, okay, if I have to. <laughs> so that's a, that's like um, not worth talk, getting burnt over for anyone listening. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, talk about the glass half full philosophy and not the glass half empty. Well, yes, yeah, there you go. Incredible. So clearly there was so many, so many lessons that you would have learned oh. and picked up. And what are some of the key ones you lead with when you were out speaking and, and, and engaging with people to endeavor to share your story, to help give them some inspiration if it's people going through challenges, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, whatever they are, because I think it relates across all of it. But what are those key things that you've identified that you love to share and, and, and impart to other people as well? I always say so simplistic like the simple choices okay you make a choice and you actually follow it through you do the work you do all the small to-do lists which give you more to-do lists but you do it 
because it's not going to happen if you just wish. Definitely choices. Make a choice and stick to it. Surround yourself with good people. It's important. It really, really, really is important because when shit hits the fan, they're there for you. And resilience isn't um, you've had a bad day, then you can get back up. Resilience is like, well, it's part of that, but it's keep on going. It's working hard. It's all encompassing, you know, it's um, learning, empowering yourself. These things are so important. And, and obviously I apply this to all my business models as well. Like you need to learn where you want to go, what you want to do and make and plan active steps to get there. But then you have to follow through with your choices. I think that's really important. And guess what? Things don't always work. And sometimes doors are shut in your face and you're set back, but that doesn't mean there are no more doors that don't open for you or no more opportunities. And sometimes you're just going to make them yourself. And like I say this because I'm talking personally and business developmentally, you really need to be your biggest advocate, you come as big, biggest advocate and say yes to as many opportunities as you can, but also no to things that don't align with your brand that you don't feel ethically or comfortable with. You know, sometimes you just, you're asked for an opportunity and it's like, oh, this is good, you but something like, inside you doesn't sit yeah. right, right? Listen to yourself, be like, be on your brand because we don't want to be a sellout. Like there are so many sellouts out there. Let's be real. So I, like so I said, I'm not on, on the gram or on social media being like, Yo, what's up? Look at me. I'm like, it's like, here's a dose of reality. Here's the before and after. Here's some hope. Here's what it's a refreshing change too, just to Did hear that. It? You know, it's like there's too much of the, you know, the the, the superficial. You know, what did they say? Instagram is is just the the good side of life and not the back side. Instagram you know? models. Could you imagine how many people wouldn't be models if they weren't gram? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the problems in the world today is there's really nothing to worry about, so we worry about everything. You know, there's just no. The perspective is completely gone, uh, I think. Uh, and that's without sounding like a fuddy-duddy, you know. No, nah, you're right. And we live uh, in the first world country, guys. We How lucky we are. Unbelievably. Unbelievably. So, Donna, what, is, what does the future hold? What's your, I mean, before your, um, uh, this horrific experience and the, the version of you uh, then and the version of you now and the version of you in the future, is there an alignment there? Is there a fundamental change? Because I'd imagine... You were always a positive person, anyway. You're yeah. always, uh, you're always hardworking. You're always had a, a future mapped out for yourself. Do Do you feel that it was your your inherent you, your spiritual self, your mental self, your physical self? Do you feel that that's really hasn't changed, or did you have these? I feel that it hasn't changed. Like I, my auntie says, you're all so unique in a way that I feel like you were born knowing who you are, and I've always had this like darkness sparkle in my eye. And it sounds really like weird, but I just think that sparkle now is for what I'm doing. So I have paved the way for survivors and people with disfigurements and given people hope, but more to that, the career I thought I was going to be on before my injury is definitely not the career I'm the path that way that I'm on now, but the pathway I'm on now is nothing I ever dreamed of. I'm just finishing my master's in science. I'm going to specialize in cosmetics and disfigurement. So I can help people live in Burla. So what I want to do is um, everyone's so like, you know, victims of domestic violence, cancer, women have had double mastectomies. I want to do a paramedical course as well. So I can tattoo venicles on pigment loss, hairlines. Um, if you're born with birth deficits and defects, I want to be able to specialize in all of that and just cosmetics. So if you just want to come to me and look glam, head on my way, but um, I'll definitely think, put you on my glam dial out list. Uh, come on over. Uh, no, there's actually no specialists for disfigurement 
in one place in all of Australia. I've traveled the world in Australia for my treatments and I've wow. learned a lot from the best and who are better else to be an advocate and actually physically do, do it to survivors and to help them than, than moi. Yeah, and I, th- I think you could, you could potentially, not you, but in, the to- in, a, in a horrific situation, you could, you could potentially go inwards versus turning it into something that you're now Absolutely. just going, I'm just, an, I'm open, I'm here to share, I'm here to serve, I'm here to, you know, to, and this is, again, a theme that we see in all these conversations of, of as people progress and mature and whether it's, you know, whatever their paradigm and their perspective and their experiences, their experiences, and we all get molded differently. But it, this, it seems to be that we all go through this point as we're getting to where we really feel an authentic version of ourselves that it, it starts to just reflect out and it's about service and it's about helping others. Value, that's right. Like adding value and making your life full of purpose. Not just that, like your people want to know, oh, hey, so confident. Like, you know, oh, I'm confident because giving back feels good. Like having purpose feels good. Having drive, doing the work, accomplishing yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like, don't get me wrong. I hate sitting at that computer for like 12 hours a day doing assignments. It's the bane of my existence. I'm like, I did not fight so hard. To that, that's the thing I find most amazing that you can actually do that. That'll have no relevance to anything on my degree. Oh, but, but then I'm, you know, now I'm at the end of it and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. It, it's like. Your why was bigger than the, the why was, your why was bigger, wasn't it, than, than the 12 hour assignments? It was, cool. it sucks, but I'm not going to not do it. I'll still not like it, and but I'm going to keep doing it. I put it. it out there. I said, I'm going to do it. So I have to do it. Otherwise, I feel like I look like a knob. Um, yeah. I am about that life. <laughs> You've got to put it out there. It. That's so true. When people are like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Or, and just, I'm, I, I give them side eye, you know. And <laughs> yeah, I don't ever want to get side eye. No, <laughs> Hey, sure. Can I, can I steal the last question this time? Go for it. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I really want to. Uh, I've got a ten-year-old daughter, um, and starting to get into that phase of the Instagram and the friend group, and you can see the pressure that, that this this incredible pressure that society, the the television that they watch, everything about it. What is the one thing we normally say? Hey, what's the one thing you would tell yourself as a child uh, about your life? What what is the one thing that you would tell my daughter in in terms of? living a life of purpose and to, to help her understand the context of, of this garbage relative to what life can garbage, be. Garbage. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I always say I, I really have never seen, and I go out a lot, never seen an Instagram model that looks like they do on Instagram out. So reality, um, but not to say there's none, I just haven't, but I would tell her beef. Everybody is going to age and get old and their looks will fade. Don't rely on that. I will tell her I knew my worth before I was injured and I would hope that no one would ever lose their life at base, functionality, independence, everything in a second. But if you were to, I still had confidence within myself because I made the right choices. I surrounded myself with the right people. I worked hard to be who I was and I educated myself, always empowering myself prior to my injury. And I think education is so important. When I say education, I don't just mean go to university, get a degree. I mean, educate yourself about life and knowledge and what makes you feel good as a person. Tell her, don't look on the outside, look on the inside, try things and what makes you feel good? What lights lights you up on the inside? 
and then you go with that, like run with your passions because the outside is nothing. Like, like I said, giving back and like seeing the hope I give strangers and that, that, that fuels the fire on the inside of me. You close your eyes and you don't focus on the aesthetics. What makes her feel good? Incredible. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you hear words like that, but when you say them, they like smack you in the face, like a massive fist. It's, it's very powerful. Very powerful. Dana, thank you so much for the opportunity to share, share your story. I mean, it's inspirational. Um, thank you so much. No, you, guys, thanks for having me. It was so easy. To, like, so, so easy. You've, you've just set me up for a, a very deep and meaningful weekend. Let me tell you <laughs> a, lot, a lot of introspection. You know what else? Like again, the perspective thing, like show your daughter the befores and afters of my images. Like it, it's crazy. I've had heaps of like my supporters and stuff sent like writing to me. Like I showed my daughter, blah, blah, blah. And they just thought you were so cool and blah. just give her reality. That's reality. Mm. Not oh, yeah. what we're and you are cool and a role, and a role model. And I think in, in today's world, that's yeah. That, for whatever reason, the universe has, has delivered you as this gift to young women and young men, everyone, as to what resilience really looks like and how to see life beyond yourself more than just ourselves. Thank you. That's really nice. Cool, Donna. Thank, thanks so much, Shawnee. Thanks again, mate. You got any thanks, closing good. ones or, or are you as, as flabbergasted as I am? I've just, yeah, just gobsmacked. And as I say, the, the amount of grit and determination and just self-leadership and drive, just inspirational and uh yeah, really, really humbled to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. And that wraps up another episode of The Few. Thank you to our partners, Afterburner, for team building, development, and alignment. We understand now how important it is to have the right people around you. Get them on board with where you want to go. Momentum Media, the largest industry publisher in the country, connecting your business to the Australian community. ICMI, Australia's premier speaker bureau, representing the few that do fulfill their life's purpose. And finally, Sean's Inner Circle, the business coaching organization for small and medium enterprises looking to make that next step. Thanks again for listening in and downloading today. Please leave a review on whatever platform you are currently listening to this podcast and reach out to our partners who can help you make the transition to the few. Thanks, Donna. Have a lovely weekend. Really appreciate you coming in again. Thank Thanks. you. Bye, guys. This has been The Few Podcast with Boo and Sean. If you've got value from this episode and you would like to support us, please share it with your friends. If you're posting this on social media, use the hashtag The Few so we can see who's listening. The Few Podcast is recorded at Momentum Media in Sydney, Australia. To listen to more episodes, visit us at fewpodcast.com and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Dream big, keep pushing, and one day you can become one of the few. We'll see you next week.